understand your customer, someone who's going to connect with your brand, connect with your service and really benefit from it. People are more than happy to tell you about the problems that they're having. And if you can solve it for them, you have an audience. Jobs in ad tech. If you're looking for a new role in the industry, there's only one place to go. Free job listing for all recruiters and talent acquisition managers until September. Go to jobsinadtech.com today. Jobs in ad tech. Hello and welcome to the shiny new object podcast. My name is Tom Ollerton. I'm the founder of Automated Creative. We are a creative effectiveness ad tech platform. But today it's a podcast and I am on a call with Kristen Sinclair, who is performance marketing manager at Tuve Zoos. Kristen, for anyone who doesn't know who you are and what you do, could you give us a bit of background? So in a nutshell, um, I connect potential buyers of our services with... Um, with our sales team. So finding those ideal customers, um, presenting um, what it is that we do on a digital platform and making sure that they come to us, not someone else. And what's your story before that? How did you end up in a performance role at a B2B business? Oh, it's been a long windy road. So I began my career as a graphic designer and then I got my feet wet in you know, user interface, user experience design, specifically on websites. And then once I started to develop websites, usually on WordPress, um, I became more interested in the digital marketing aspect, SEO, paid search, um, paid social, social media, and fast forward five, 10 years, that's where I am now, and I love it. Yeah, I was going to say that's <laughs> that's that's quite the it's, change. Yeah, it's it's constantly changing, and you're it, you're never bored. I'll put it that way. That is true. That is one of the upsides of this industry. So across that crazily weird changing career, what new belief or behavior in the last five years or so has changed your work life for the better? Once upon a time, I used to think that I could do it all, was going to do it all. And then I quickly realized that, you know what, that's just not possible. So, you know, that belief that, you know, I'm a superwoman, I can do everything. Um, I've been brought back down, you know, to reality a little bit and realized that I need to focus on certain things and put my energy towards that because that's what's actually going to move the needle. And so far, it's worked out. And what was the string of events or moment that made you realize that? Because that's quite a big shift in attitude. And it is. Um, it happened when I was in my mid-20s, so very early into my career. Um, basically, my health failed. I developed shingles. And that's something that happens not usually when you're 25, usually in your 60s, 70s and beyond. But I just was not taking care of myself, wasn't sleeping, eating properly because I was trying to do it all. And basically my body, my body failed. My spirit was alive and well, but my body was just like, no, 
we're not doing this anymore. And, you know, I took pause and realized, okay, this can't happen again. So yeah, that really changed. Um, that changed my attitude dramatically. And in that time, through that change, through that career, what is the marketing tip that you hang your hat on the most that you enjoy sharing with people and you rely on? Understand your customer. Someone who's going to connect with your brand, connect with your service and really benefit from it. And if you don't know who that is, then you need to find out. Um, and if you're not quite sure, just talk to them. They'll tell you. People are more than happy to tell you about the problems that they're having. Um, and if you can solve it for them, um, you have a you have an audience. So from a B2B perspective, how, how do you do that? Because presumably uh, most B2B companies could have quite a few ideal client profiles as that. And I'm heard they're, told, uh, they're known as. But how do you make sure that you, you get a niche, but it's not too niche that you can't make sell enough business against it? It depends on the business for a business that um, has a singular product. Um, they're usually they have, you know, an audience that, you know, they validated the market. Um, they know that this is who's probably going to buy their product. And then they start to look for others that might have a similar problem and they try to expand other businesses. They, you know, typically if they're B2B services, they offer a multitude of solutions and you as a marketer have to be knowledgeable enough about that service and the problem it solves to know, okay, who, who is going to be the ideal customer for that? And it comes down to doing your research and knowing where does your audience hang out? Um, what, you know, your competitors that are selling something similar, um, how are they reaching those audiences? Because B2B buying, um, it's it's not something that happens after they see one ad or they receive one email. Um, it can sometimes take three, six months, sometimes even a year before they decide to finally, you know, talk to you. So it's a long game. So now we're going to move on to your shiny new object. And I'm really interested to talk to you about this because it, it crosses two of my passions and my job in uh, a lot of ways, which is AI, artificial intelligence in B2B or B business to business marketing. So what is AI in B2B for you? Give us a kind of short overview and then we'll get into it. So I think where AI is really benefiting B2B marketing um, is the use of intent data to find um, customers who may be thinking about um, buying your product or services. There's a lot of platforms out there that do this, um, Clearbit, Zoom Info, Discover.org. And I, what I have found is that a lot of marketers don't know how to utilize them, especially if they're working with a sales team, because sometimes they don't quite know what to do with that data either. Um, and, and it's a challenge. 
So without giving away any secrets for how you use one or any of those suppliers, help someone who doesn't work in B2B understand that. Like what kind of intent data do these platforms collect? How is it served and how do people use it? Sure. So I'll just use an example, um, not particular to me. Let's say you're a company that specializes in cybersecurity software. Um, and you are on the lookout for companies who are um, maybe someone at a certain IP address that's associated with a company is looking looking for topics related to what your company does on the internet. And now you know, okay, this would be a good um, account for my sales team to try to make contact with. So that's essentially what what it's doing. But the difficulty is, okay, well, who's the right person to talk to? Sometimes you can find out who that person is. Getting in touch with them is one thing. And sometimes because I think because it's a new, newer technology, um, and sometimes it's not necessary, you're not going to connect with someone right away. Sometimes I think, you know, the you're left with the impression that like, okay, this just isn't worth the effort um, or, you know, there's just poor follow through. Um, you don't follow up and you invested all this, you know, money and time in the platform that's supposed to promise amazing things and you're just not getting anything out of it. This episode of the Shiny New Object podcast is brought to you in partnership with Manfest. Whether it's live in London or streamed online to the global marketing community, you can always expect a distinctive and daring blend of fast-paced content, startup innovation pitches, and unconventional entertainment from Madfest events. You'll find me causing trouble on stage, recording live versions of this podcast, and sharing a beer with the nicest most influential people in marketing. Check it out at www.madfestlondon.com. So what is the what are the intent signals that are being captured and then processed with artificial intelligence? So I know that there's a combination. I don't understand the technology that does it, but I know just from you know what i've been told is that an ip address that is associated with a company um can be you can use that to intimate that like that is where the search is coming from and you can also see well how many people um so it doesn't just tell you that it's happening it gives you an idea of is it you know one person is it you know a handful of people so you can un so that helps you prioritize um, who you should talk to, who's most likely to buy. Are they currently having a problem right now? Is this something that's top of mind? Um, so even if you do make contact with someone in the company and they're not the right person to talk to, maybe they know who is. So where's the artificial intelligence piece? Because technology that tracks IP addresses visiting your site and number of people is like that's 
been practiced for a while, I think. So what, what's the, what is the kind of the shiny new version of that? What's the AI bit that we didn't have before? I would love it if AI could solve the problem that I was just describing, um, or at least improve it. Because not knowing what to do with that information, I think AI, just all the capabilities that it's demonstrated um, and how it's evolved so quickly in the last five to 10 years, it's got to, there has to be a solution somewhere on the horizon um, as far as how to leverage that data a little bit better. Yeah, because I, I wonder if there's a, a bit of a tension there, isn't there? Because B2B buyers, because of the reason that they're identifiable at all, and because there's teams of marketing and salespeople trying to get in front of them, that their behavior as much as possible should be quite secretive, right? I'm, I'm sure obfuscating an IP address might be possible. I'm sure it's possible. But unlike if you go, oh, chat GPT, tell me, give me a curry recipe. I've got these five things in my fridge. Like there's a nine gazillion million curry recipes that have those things in them. Whereas there's not that much publicly available data about that me as a B2B buyer when I want to buy like, I don't know, like a CRM system or something like that. That my I might go to a few websites, but other than that, I might send send people some private messages saying, Oh, who do you use for your CRM? There isn't there isn't that much data. And if there's no data, then the the, the training can't happen. So I'm curious to know what would be those other the signals that you would see from people you have an interest in that could be used in an AI context. Well, unfortunately, Tom, I think probably the only thing that could solve this problem is something that I personally, as a marketer, would be a little bit uncomfortable with. Um, I think that being able to read these intense signals is amazing, but I also, you know, I would also want to be a little bit careful about being um, a little bit too aggressive with acquiring customers, because if it's possible for me to identify who that person is and have even more data about them down to, you know, their email address and how to contact them, great. I'm going to use that, but over time, what's going to happen is you're going to have people that start to become a little bit disenchanted with B2B outreach. I mean, if I get solicited by B2B sales development probably, I mean, at least every day. And once you enable that and make it even easier, I think it's going to be actually harder for businesses to connect with prospective buyers because they're just going to become um, immune to it. They're just going to ignore it. Um, you kind of see this a little bit already with... Um, you know, other types of outreach and advertising, um, people just start to ignore it after a while because it's just too much. They don't have, they either don't have time for it or they know that, well, the reason why you know to serve me with this content or to contact me with this, you know, potential solution is because you have my private data and I don't really like that. It makes me feel uncomfortable as a customer. And the most important thing in B2B is developing that relationship. And when that 
you know, foundational level of trust isn't there, um, very hard to now convince this person that, you know, oh, you should trust me with solving your problem too. So what other AI B2B technology have you been impressed with? Hmm. Or that's caught your eye. That is, oh, like, okay. oh, this is good. This is good or bad. Or you know, you don't have to trial it yourself. I'm just curious. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, there's a lot out there that um, I'm like, oh wow, that's really cool. Um, but then it comes down to having the expertise to know um, what to do with it. Having the, you know, having the bandwidth to be able to do something with it to convert it into action. Um, I would say that one of the things, not just in B2B, this is just in general, um, that I think is really cool is predictive AI, being able to make, um, you know, assumptions or develop a hypothesis based on, you know, other data points. So if I am, let's say I am interested in cybersecurity um, software. Well, what you might find out is this person also, they might be interested in reading about, you know, current events that are happening between, you know, the United States and Russia or the United States and China. Um, so just kind of seeing what the relationship between that, that's something that AI can figure out so much faster than a human can. Um, and being able to apply that um, in a multitude of ways, that's something that um, definitely I think is amazing and useful um, in any sort of marketing capacity. you seen not work in this AI B2B world? Like, for example, I I have a plugin at the minute. It's a chat GBT plugin for email that basically writes the email for you, but you have to give it the prompt. You're like, I, I want to send a message to Kristen. I want to tell her how happy I am that it's her birthday and that whatever, you know, that we, we should have a coffee soon. And it will write that email for you in the, in the tone of which you want it to, to write it in. But by the time you've written the prompt... You could have just done it, really. And I've, <laughs> yeah, I like I like those tools because sometimes I don't know if this happens to you, but I'll just be so um, it's like I'm just so frazzled, and I'm like, uh, just just do it for me. Um, but sometimes when you use Chat GPT to write marketing copy, um, sometimes I find it's just so generic and bland that I'm like. I'd rather just do this myself. Sometimes it's a good starting point and it can give you um, some ideas about what to do, but more often than not, um, I don't find it very useful for writing marketing copy. It's definitely much better for long form or something that's just routine um, and you're communicating something. You're not necessarily trying to hook somebody. So... Unfortunately, we're at the end of the podcast now. So if someone would like to reach out to you and get in touch about AI and, and B2B or how to get to a could do it all, would do it all type mindset, where's the best place to do that? And what makes a great outreach message to you? Well, anyone can find me on LinkedIn as I'm as Kristen Sinclair. 
And as far as getting my attention, if you have a great hook in your outreach, I'll probably respond to you. Right. <laughs> it's all about the hook. It's all about the hook. Do you know, it's funny how how irregular, how, not regular, and people don't say that very often. They're like, yeah, just make it like to the, but yes, you're absolutely right. And it's a lesson to, my, to me as well, as always. Kristen, look, thank you so much for your time. Yep, thank you for having me, Tom. Hi, just before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to write a review of the Shiny New Object Podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever it's called these days, or whichever podcast provider you use. We're an indie podcast, so it would go a long way for us if you could just share the word and give us a bit of a support on those channels. That would just be fantastic. If you haven't got time, that's also cool. And yeah, if you could tell your colleagues about the podcast and also if possible, don't forget to subscribe. And I'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, if you'd like to speak on the podcast, or be a guest, or you think I'm asking the wrong questions, anything, I'd be super interested to hear what you think. So please email me at tom at automatedcreative.net. That's T-O-M at, uh, I'm not going to bother spelling it. Anyway, you'll work it out. Thanks so much.